Good morning. I didn't realize there was this many people here when sitting up here in the front. <laughs> Got a little more nervous all of a sudden. So I want to thank y'all, first of all, for giving me this opportunity to, uh, to serve here alongside y'all, to serve God. We are very excited to be here. We've met a lot of awesome people since we've been here. So far, everything's going good. Uh, I knew I was out of shape, but I didn't realize how bad out of shape I was until I started moving. I've been hurting in places I didn't know it could hurt. I've got bruises all over me. It's definitely been a journey these last two weeks. But uh, I'd like to introduce my wife, Kayla, our kids, Blaze, he's a sophomore, Ambry, <laughs> Ambry's a freshman, Carson's in sixth grade, and Macy's in fourth grade. So they're all, the older two, they've met a lot of friends, they're doing good. Both of them have been active in sports. And Ambry, she pretty much does anything, so if there's any school event going on, she'll probably be there. She's kind of a nerd like that, so, but we love her anyway. Uh, my folks came today, Mike and Debbie Morehouse, and then my, my sister and brother-in-law, Kevin and Becky Smith, they all made the trip up here today. So I'm thankful that they're here to watch me, kind of see me how nervous I get up here. But anyway, uh, if you please stand for the reading of the word. be Mark 5, uh, 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tomb to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him, night and day among the tombs, and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out of the, and went into the pigs. The herd was about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this into the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went and began to tell the people of Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Pray with me. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you just for this opportunity just to get to serve. Father, I pray that as we start this new journey that you will just uh, remove me from the situation and let every word that comes from my mouth be from you and to glorify you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. I ask your things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So today... Just as Jesus told the man to go uh, 
tell the people what the good news, what had happened to him in the mercy, I want to share my testimony with y'all for two reasons. One, I want to be transparent, let y'all know where I've been, where I've came from, and why I'm so passionate. And for two, and more importantly, to glorify God for what he pulled me out of. I was born in, in Knox County a little over 21 years ago. <laughs> I don't know what's so funny about that, but... So, uh, we moved, my mom got married when I was probably two or three, I'm not sure, I don't remember much about that time. But uh, we moved to Benjamin, or Paducah, and when my granddad got sick with cancer, we moved back to Monday. And after he passed away, we moved to Childress in my fifth grade year. I don't remember going to church much, I do remember we went some. I like to tell everybody we were CEOs of the church, we went Christmas and Easter's only. But uh, I got baptized in junior high. But I didn't get baptized because I love God. I got baptized because I went to a First Baptist revival and they literally scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so I got baptized so I wouldn't go to hell, not so I could have a relationship with God. So I knew nothing about it. I didn't have much experience. And as I got into high school, I completely quit going to church at all. Uh, started drinking, started smoking marijuana, partying, having a good time, living what I thought was my best life because... I mean, I've been baptized, so as far as I knew, that's all I had to do. My senior year in high school, my best friend and I were hanging out, and this guy came up to us and tried to sell us some acid. So I knew this guy. I knew he was shady. So I told him, no, plus I wasn't a druggie. I just smoked weed. But I found out my friend had went back and bought something from him. So I told my friend that if he wanted to be stupid, that he needed to stay away from me in a much not so nice away. A couple of days later, I spent the night at one of my friend's houses, and my mom was working at the hospital, and I was, I was heading home. My brother-in-law stopped me, and uh, he told me that my friend was in the hospital. So I went to the emergency room, and since she worked there, they let me go in, and he was laying there unconscious. And they transferred him from Childress to Amarillo. And a couple of days later, my mom came in. I guess she had got called out. Uh, came in about 5 o'clock in the morning and told me that he had passed away. So I was heartbroken because he wasn't just the best friend of me. He was like a brother to me. I mean, he was pretty much part of our family. My whole family loved him. So I was heartbroken, and I just sat there crying. And about 7 o'clock that morning, my dad came in to wake me up for school. And I told him, I said, man, I just really don't feel like going to school today. And he looked me in the eyes and said, get up and get over it. That's why you don't get close to people. So at 17 years old, I was in a lot of pain. And I was burying that pain because you know, that's what you do. I thought that's what a man was supposed to do, to not show pain or weakness. I didn't really know how to handle it. After his funeral, which was on my sister's birthday, so it's kind of a, something that we'll always remember, one of the worst birthday parties we ever threw that day. A couple days later, I was in school, and I was walking down the hallway, and it was after lunch, so everybody in school was in the hall, and the deputy sheriff was standing there. And he took me in, took me to the police department, or the sheriff's department for questioning. And they told me that, uh, that the autopsy had come back, and the cause of death was the drugs went to his brain and swelled his brain and killed him. And they wanted to know if I knew who sold him the drugs. Well, of course, I knew who sold it. But I also knew that guy's five brothers, and one of them already pulled a knife on me for not taking him to a party, so I knew what they would do to me if they found out I snitched. 
and I knew it wasn't going to bring him back anyway. So I just took my mouth shut and told him that I didn't know who it was and that I, we hadn't been hanging around much. But I was instantly, I blamed myself. You know, when I could have done something, I turned my back on him. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell his parents. I didn't slam him up against the wall and tell him he was stupid. I just turned my back on him. So I blamed myself for his death. So at 17 years old, I'm carrying the pain of him dying that I'd buried down inside and the guilt that it was my fault that he had died. And, man, my life just went downhill from there. Uh, I had that attitude of I didn't care. I didn't care what happened to me. I didn't care if I got caught, nothing. I started running drugs all over Childress for some of the dealers in town. And as I got more involved in that, they started sending me other places. So I started running drugs pretty much all over the panhandle up into Oklahoma. My poor mom, she just never knew that I had so much drugs in our house. So she was pretty ashamed of me when I told her that years later. But uh, I got married outside of high school. But I didn't get married because I cared about this girl. I got married just in spite of my dad because I knew it would make him mad. So we ended up having two kids. We got divorced. I got back into the drug business, started selling drugs. Uh, this was all about the time the meth was taking over Childress. So I had a guy come to me one day who wanted to buy some weed, but he didn't have no money. So he asked if he could trade a bag of meth for a bag of weed. And I told him it was no problem because I knew I could sell the meth. You know, I tried coke a couple of times, and I never saw the big deal of it. So I wanted to know why everybody was so hooked on this meth and what the big deal about meth was. So about 8 o'clock one night, I took a little hit of it just to see what it would do, thinking that it was going to be like Coke, and an hour or two later it would be done. Well, that wasn't it. My mind just started racing. My heart was beating. I was running up and down my house trying to wear myself out. You know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I'm trying to go to bed because i got to work in the next morning, and it wasn't happening. I tried everything I could to go to sleep and nothing. About 5 o'clock that morning when my alarm started going off, I finally started coming down. And, uh, you know, a smart person would have just called into work and slept and been over it, but I never claimed to be the smartest tool in the shed, you know. So I took another hit so I could make it through the work that day. About lunchtime, I came home and took another hit so I could finish the day. And it was just like that. That fast it had me. And I spent the next 17 years addicted to meth, uh, marijuana, beer, everything. In uh, 2006, well, I met, a, I met a woman, and we were doing a lot of meth together, so we figured it would be a good thing for us to get married. Well, we had two girls, and in 2006, I got arrested for uh, injury to, felony injury to a child. They claimed that I choked my son, which they dropped all the charges after they interviewed my son and my daughter. But uh, CPS had already got involved, and they gave us drug tests, me and my wife at the time, and we both failed the drug test, so they took our two daughters from us, and the older two kids I wasn't allowed to have any contact with. They sent us to, uh, had to go through all kinds of, take drug tests. Whenever they called, I had to go, I had to do psychological exams, all kinds of different things they sent me through. And that's when we found out that she was pregnant with Blaze, and they told us that they would test him when he was born. And if he tested positive, they were going to file more charges on us. So when he was born, which should have been a glorious day for us, we had to call CPS and have them come test him. So luckily he tested negative and he got to stay. 
and a few months later, we got our daughters back. At this time, I was clean. When we moved to Amarillo, and softball became an addiction to me. And that became my new drug. I spent tons and tons of money playing softball. In Amarillo, they have leagues from Sunday night till Friday night, and I was on a team every night of the week. And then I had a men's tournament team and a co-ed tournament team. So I played ball from, from February to November every day, religiously. I went to church every once in a while, but it was usually just when I had a big game, and I was like, hey, God, I'm here. I need to win this game. So I never was really all about God. I felt a kind of a pull back then, but I never was about it. Uh, one day, my wife comes home and tells me she wants a divorce. And I told her, you know, we're not doing this. I don't care what you want. We're not happy. Neither one of us were happy, but we weren't getting a divorce. I wasn't going through this again. Well, then I started hearing that she was having an affair. So one night, we were sitting there talking, and I told her, fine, you want a divorce? Let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's split up the stuff. Let's figure out what we're going to do about the kids. Well, the whole time we're talking, she's getting text. And I asked her, I said, who's, who's texting you? And she says, nobody. So I knew right then what was going on. So the next time her phone went off, I grabbed it. I saw who it was. I left, and I went riding around. This was a work night, so I didn't have nowhere to go. It was probably 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I pulled back up into my driveway. I locked the door, and I just went to sleep in my pickup. I don't know how long I was sleeping, but then I heard a tap on the window. And I looked up, and it was uh, the Potter County Sheriff's Department. So they arrested me for interfering with an emergency call. She claimed that I took her phone, that we got in a fight, and I took her phone, and she couldn't call the cops. So I was sitting in jail that night, and uh, Satan came to me, and he started whispering in my head and telling me all the things that, you know, God don't love you. Look at all the things you've been through. If God loved you, he wouldn't put you through these things. And I believed it. And when I got out that next morning, I was a different person. I was evil. I wanted everybody just to feel the pain that I felt. I had hatred for everything. I got back on drugs really bad, started drinking even more than I was. I mean, it was nothing. I'd play softball. We'd get done at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We'd go to the bar and drink until it closed at 2. I'd go home, sleep for about two hours, get up at 4, and do coke all day to get through work. One night I got out of the shower, and I looked in the mirror, and I didn't even recognize myself. I could just see the evilness in my eyes. And I broke down that night, and I started praying. But I wasn't praying for God to save me or to forgive me or anything else. I was praying, God, if you hate me so much, why don't you just kill me? Why don't you just let me go to sleep and never wake up? I'm tired of living like this. About this time, my mom said something about a walk to Emmaus, which I had no idea what it was about. But I knew it was something to do with God, and I didn't want nothing to do with God. So I made every excuse I could to not go. And it was around Thanksgiving of 2012, and she wanted me to come down for Thanksgiving. And I told her there wasn't no point in me coming down because I only had one day off, and I didn't want to waste my time driving. And it was really that I was just ashamed and didn't want to be around my family. And then one day I walked into work, and I walked into my boss's office, and I just quit. I have no reason, no idea why I just quit, but I quit. So then I lost my excuse not to come. And things just started falling apart in Amarillo for me. Uh, my softball team was like a family to me, and they had all started fighting with each other, and it was just getting worse and worse for me there. So I told my mom, I said, you know what, I'll come down here, I'll spend Thanksgiving with you, and I'll go on this walk, 
And it was more of a just to shut her up and make her happy. Because I truly believed that in six months from then, I would either be dead or in prison. So I went on this walk. And if y'all don't know anything about the walk to Emmaus, amen. It's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. And if anybody ever wants to go get with me or my wife, we'd love to get y'all going in it. But I got there on Thursday night, and to me it was a 72-hour jail sentence. I didn't want to be there. I was miserable, but it is what it is. So I went through Thursday night. Friday felt the same way. Saturday, they have this awesome thing on Saturday, and I was sitting there. I don't want to get into much detail in case anybody ever goes. But I was sitting there, and I was looking at this cross while God was telling his testimony. And I was thinking about everything that I'd done in my life. And uh, I started hearing this. <laughs> and I was there with a bunch of cowboys and farmers, and I was thinking, man, I thought these country boys were supposed to be tough, and they're over here crying like a bunch of sissies in front of men. And then I heard it again, and then I heard it again. And that third time, I realized it was me that was crying. And, man, I just broke down, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I asked God into my life that night. And God finally answered that prayer that I had prayed for so long. I went to sleep, and I woke up a new man. And when I woke up on Sunday morning, I was just on fire for God. My life had changed, and, and I just felt like a thousand pounds lighter. I was smiling. I walked down to where everybody was at, and one of the guys looked at me, and he said, Man, you're different. And it was just amazing. It was an amazing feeling. And I was on fire, and I was ready, and I was going to conquer the world, and I got going to church. I decided not to go back to Amarillo. I stayed in Knox City, and I decided to, I started going to church there, and I started watching Christians because I knew no, had no idea what a Christian was supposed to be like. Well, they were drinking. They were cussing. They were having affairs. So there I went, drinking, cussing, doing the same thing I had done before because that was the example that was taught to me. And it didn't take long before I was completely back into my old life other than the drugs. I met my wife. We got married. We drank all the time. But we went to church on Sunday, so we were good, as far as we knew. And it just hit me, you know, there's got to be more to this. And I started asking God, you know, I want more. I mean, this, this is ridiculous. And... He showed me the verse, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And it really spoke to me, and it changed me. And he started showing me all the things, the, the drinking that I was doing, the worldly music that I was listening to, the shows that I was watching, the movies that I was watching, the things I was putting into my life and putting into my kids' life. And it changed me radically. So when he changed me, I started trying to change her. And I don't know if any of y'all ever tried to make y'all's wives do something. <laughs> but it didn't work out very good for me. So we ended up getting in a lot of fights over it. And we ended up splitting up for a while. And when we split up, I was mad at God. And I was asking God, you know, you're, you told me to do this. Why did you let this happen? You need to go fix her. You know, she's the problem. You need to go fix her. And the more I prayed that, the worse things got between me and her. So I changed the way I started praying, and I started telling God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what you're putting me through, but I thank you for it, because I know there's going to be, it's going to be better when it's all over with. And just show me what was wrong with me that I needed to fix. So then he started working on my life, 
And without me knowing, he had started working on her life. Once I quit trying to be the one that said, I'm perfect and she's the problem, he started working on both of us. So we got back together, and our relationship grew a lot better. We've had a lot better life. I mean, what other woman would say when you go up to her and say, hey, I'm quitting my job and we're selling our house and moving to Quanta to do something we've never done before, would just be like, okay, let's go. But, so I'm very proud of her. She's an awesome woman. Uh, but, man, when I, when I got off my walk, I, I wrote out my testimony because everybody wanted to hear my story, you know. And I spent probably four or five days writing it. And as I was writing it, you know, I blamed my ex-wives for everything. I blamed everybody else for everything. Nothing was my fault, you know. I was perfect. But as I started writing my testimony and I started reflecting on the way things went, God started showing me where I was at fault in these situations. You know, my, my ex-wife may have had an affair on me, but it was my fault because I pushed her into it. Because I worked, she stayed at home, so I thought that's all I had to do. I'm paying the bills, you take care of the kids, you clean the house, you do everything. You ask me if you can spend my money, but if I want to spend it, I can spend it. So God started changing me, and I was able to heal from the pain that I had in my life because I wasn't blaming everybody else for everything. Now I was accepting my part of the responsibility, and it really helped me be able to heal. And, man, I'm passionate about God because of what he's done for me. Because I look back at my friends that I hung out with back in those days, and there's several of them that are, that are dead because of drugs, alcohol, or suicide. There's several of them that went to prison. There's three or four of them that are still in prison. There's a couple of them that were murdered. And any one of them could have been me. Easily could have been me. Should have been me. But because of God's grace and God's mercy... He pulled me through all of it. So I'm very passionate about serving God. I'm deeply in love with him for what he's done for me. And I believe with all my heart that we as Christians can change this world that we're living in today through Jesus. But it's going to take us to start in our own hearts. You know, we have to, like the Bible says, we have to deny ourselves. We have to cut out the worldly things of life that, ever, that society says is good. The society says it's no longer a sin. I mean, like I said before, you know, we'll, we don't have a problem getting up and raising a fit about homosexuality or abortion, but we close our eyes when it comes to lust or drinking or cussing or anything like that. I mean, we have to truly get back to what the Bible tells us. This is, this is our, our lifeline right here. God wrote this for us so we know how to live and we would know how to act. We can make a change in our hearts, we can make a change in our families, and then we can make a change in our community. You know, I read a story about a, guys, or about a group of guys from New York, or one of them Yankee states up there, I don't know which one, but they were mechanics. And they, uh, they opened up a mechanic shop to, to work on cars for the elderly, for widows, single moms, just people that couldn't afford to get their cars fixed. And they would just do it for the cost. They wouldn't charge any kind of labor. And then they took it a step further, and they went to the parts stores, and they talked to the parts stores, and they got discounts on the parts. So they were using the gifts that God gave them to minister to other people. And we can do that right here in our own town. There's, there's tons of ways that we can minister. Um, 
You know, one way that I've always ministered to my daughter and her friends was I coached softball. I'm not the greatest softball coach in the world, but I do love it. But I would teach them about softball, but I would also teach them about life and about the Bible. I tried to make sure every day that I spoke life into them because a lot of them weren't getting it at home. You know, as, as men, how many, how many kids do we know in this town that don't have a father figure in their, in their life? Well, as men, we can step up and we can be that father figure. We can be that role model to lead them to Christ. You know, it's going to take us getting involved and being active and getting, you know, we can't just come to church on Sunday mornings and think that's enough. If we want to change what's going on in this town, we want to change what's going on in this country, then we're going to have to get up and get active. We're going to have to use our voices and let the world know that we're tired of it. We can't just step back anymore and let the the enemy take over our lives and to make us feel guilty anytime we say anything. You know, it's not okay for us to be quiet when sin's around. It's not okay for us to just accept everything just because that's what the enemy has taught us to do. We have to man up. For you men, you have to man up. For you women, your husband should man up. But uh, So I'm very passionate about serving God. And y'all, y'all will learn that about me. I want to be active. I don't want to just come to church on Sunday mornings and preach Sunday mornings and go home and just live the rest of the week. I want to be active every day of the week. Uh, I was told there's a blessing box across the street over here. And that's a great thing that they have here. And man, the more I've learned about this town, it's just, it says something about a community garden and just all kinds of awesome things going on in this town. So I know that we can make a difference here. And I know that we can show God's love through the, to this whole community and it can spread in every direction. You got Vernon, Childress, even Oklahoma. But, so I just wanted to share with y'all today what I feel, how I feel about life, how I feel about God. And man, it's just awesome. Just, just to see the things that he's taken me from and where I am now. Ten years ago, if somebody would have told me I'd have been standing up here in front of a congregation, man, even my family was laughing. Look at them. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just wasn't meant to be, you know, but, but God, you know, but God. He changed my life. He saved my life, and he's led me here, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, I can't wait to really get started. This week's been kind of hectic. That's why I just wanted to share my testimony. I didn't really have time to write a sermon to really prepare. But next week, we'll get started for sure. I'm excited. Again, I'm thankful for being here. And uh, we'll have a song of invitation now. I know it's kind of short today, but I talk fast. <laughs> so. But the invitation will be open if anybody wants to come up. And I encourage any of y'all, if you have a testimony and you want to share, share it. Because like Revelation says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So if you have a testimony, share it. If you want to share it here, get with us, get with me or one of the elders, and we'll get it set up where you can share your testimony here. I would love to hear some of, some of your other stories. I would love to get to know y'all. I'm going to apologize right now because I'm horrible with names. So it's probably going to take me a very long time to remember y'all's names, but I will work on it. I want to get to know y'all, all y'all. Our house is always open. Feel free to come by and visit anytime. Y'all have my number. Text me, call me, 
hopefully once we get a little more settled in, we'll try to have a cookout or something at our house where we can get to know everybody a little bit better. But again, I thank y'all for coming. The altar's open if anybody wants to come up. So we'll pray. My Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to serve and just to get to grow with you, Father. I just pray that, like I said earlier, that you'll just remove me from the situation and let everything glorify you. Father, we love you. We praise you. Yes, things in Jesus' name. Amen.